Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. When I meet with clients on a consultative basis, one of the first questions that I ask them is, have they worked with a physical therapist in the past? And the reason why I ask this is that as much of an expert as I am uh, helping people with sciatica pain, there is an entirely large class of professionals called physical therapists who can actually help you. And there are two main categories of physical therapists when it comes to the payment standpoint. You have insurance and you have cash. And when I'm working with clients in California, clients are paying me out of pocket. I would be considered now a network provider. But when I work with folks outside of the California state, uh, I work more as a consultant helping people out. But there really is a huge value in working with someone in person. And in some cases, you want to be able to use your insurance. And there's this huge challenge between the cash-based physical therapy and insurance-based physical therapy. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. And so today's episode, we're going to try to debunk a lot of those myths, but also help you understand how to navigate the insurance window, but then how to actually find a therapist who takes your insurance that can also provide you the care that you want and you deserve. So today I have Dr. Jonathan Zaid, physical therapist, uh, clinical director over at Excel Physical Therapy in Hoboken, New Jersey. And he's a great friend of mine. I've been trying to, over the past year and a half, get Jonathan on an episode so we can talk about this subject because we share a lot of the similar views. And so Jonathan, thank you so much for today, taking time out of your day to talk about this subject with me. Thanks, Ashley. I appreciate being here. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. As you alluded to, we've been friends for, feels like I think almost like 10 years now, and uh, we've had a lot of ongoing conversations about this type of model, essentially where the physical therapy business is when it comes to insurance space versus cash space versus, you know, even just get outside the box of how do we monitor patients when they're outside of our door. So I'm looking forward to this conversation and seeing where it goes. But yeah, I'm happy to be on. And I know this has been a long time coming and I can't wait to talk about it. Right on. Yeah. I can't wait, man. This is uh, the time has finally come. So Jonathan, for our (laughs) listeners, tell us a little bit more about yourself. What, and and what, what led you to being the the clinical director at your clinic? Yeah. Uh, So I've been a physical therapist for 10 years now. I graduated PT school. I had a job in my hometown, which it was it was good. I enjoyed seeing some of the people that you know once I grew up with. But I had uh, at that time uh, thirst for continuing education, so I found a job out in I'll call it uh, kind of more like Western Jersey, out in the Mount Olive Morris County area, and the company that I started working with had continuing education essentially every weekend. So I could take a course. It felt like once a month. And so I was taking, you know, SFMA, McKenzie, uh, taping, dry needle. You know, I took it all as, you know, I tried to take as many courses as I could within that previous company to, because as a new grad, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. After a few years within that company of, of growing clinically, I, uh, they wanted to invest in me. So we opened up a clinic in uh, for for that company. And it was in Parsippany, New Jersey. And it was a great, great experience. I had the opportunity to get my, my first managerial experience under under my belt. Um, the There were uh, some uh, struggles, I would say, within managing that clinic. And throughout that time, uh, from working in Mount Olive and then managing the facility, in Parsippany, I always lived in uh, Hoboken area outside of a, a brief stint where uh, I lived in, in Parsippany, which, you know, fortunately enough, I, I met my fiance while living out there. And so at that time, I knew I always wanted to kind of come back to Hoboken because, you know, you know, we you know belong to obviously the same gym. And I always had a, uh, you know, love for that, that community. So an opportunity within Excel opened up to take on a director role for one of their new clinics in Hoboken. 
Um, so I interviewed for, for that position as the clinic director in Hoboken. And it was their first clinic outside of Bergen County. And luckily at that time, you know, I think that was about four years ago. So I was living in Hoboken uh, for roughly six years outside of that brief stint that I mentioned. So I had a lot of friends, you know, obviously I knew you very well uh, in that area. So I figured, you know, I can just start building up some relationships, let people know that I was in town if they had any physical therapy needs. So I interviewed with them, got the job, and then the rest is, is kind of history. My fiance and I moved back to Hoboken, and we've been back in this you know, Hudson County area for about four years now, uh, maybe a little bit more, maybe like four and a half. But uh, it's, it's been great ever, ever since. What an awesome story, Jonathan. I think uh, it's cool to be able to see that you transition from role to role based on what your gut told you and what really interested you, which I highly respect. Um, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing, because what really interests me was helping people on a grander scale, creating a podcast like this. Um, yeah. Listeners, what's also really interesting is that Jonathan is probably one of the strongest pound for pound people I've ever met. <laughs> I remember seeing him at the gym and I like knew about him. We would go back and forth, but just seeing him load significant weight on the bar was really mind blowing. And, and so uh, another big testament that lifting heavy weights is actually very good for you if done correctly. That's, that's the, that's the caveat, right? Lifting heavy weights is great, but you have to do it correctly. So that way you get the maximum benefit. And so right. let's talk about uh, insurance versus cash. Um, there's a growing number of people who have some sort, some form of insurance. And I think a lot of people get very confused as to how to navigate that system when it comes to trying to establish care. So we'll start off on the gr yeah. broader schemes, uh, broader lens, and tell us a little bit more about kind of walking us through that process of how to navigate the insurance so we can like, actually get care with someone like you. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for the compliment, too. Uh, so when it comes to insurance, you know, I, I like you mentioned, I think sometimes they're within our community of, of physical therapists. I think there's sometimes there there's a lot of negative talk with it. Um, the unfortunately, fortunate, unfortunate side, like patients want to use use their insurance. So what that looks like is so if you call our office, a lot of the times and I I'll just take a ballpark guess at the percentage of people that call and ask, hey, do you take my insurance? It's usually, I would say, probably around 70%. You know, some people are okay with, you know, finding out after. But let's say you make a call to our office or if you reach out to me and you ask me, hey, do you accept my insurance? The way that process looks like is we're in network with, I would say, majority 90% of all major insurances. Uh, maybe there's a plan or two that we don't accept, uh, but uh, I would say for the far majority, we accept all major plans, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, Oxford United, Medicare. Uh, so you call our office, we will take some demographic information from your date of birth, things of that nature, and we'll verify your insurance plan ahead of time. Everybody has a different plan. So I never want to give somebody financial uh, responsibilities before they ever come into our office because you might have a high deductible plan. So you might be responsible for anything anyways. And then, you know, or you have a, you know, a great plan and you're responsible for $5 a session. So every plan is going to be a little different. So I, until we verify your insurance, we don't know what your financial responsibility will be before you come into our doors or before uh, before we verify it. I should rephrase that. Now, before you come into our doors, we will call you and let you know, hey, you have a $3,000 deductible. Maybe you have a co-insurance. Each plan, it gets a little different. So it does require some education on what insurance plans are and what they look like. You might have a 30-visit limit. You might have visits based off of authorization. All the, There are a lot of different nuances. So when you first call us, we will verify your insurance ahead of time before you know any uh, responsibility. 
We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the Sciatica Protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. It is simple to start, and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I've taken a deep dive into reading a little bit more about the the current uh, medical industry, which is a, I mean, the industry itself is very interesting um, yeah. just from a, a logistics standpoint. But I think one thing that you brought up very, which is great, which is this concept of insurance verification. Um, I think one of the challenges, like in the past, when I've worked in the insurance world, um, some of the, some of the patients that I worked with actually had no idea what their insurance covered. So as I was seeing this patient for uh, visits on pod visits and it would be weeks to months, they end up getting a hit with a bill from us, and they're like, yeah. "Why? Like, why do I have this? I thought my insurance was covering it." And looking back. Back, it kind of I'm thinking, all right, in that scenario, that person might not have been told, either they they weren't told of their insurance benefits or they were told and then they forgot. And so, um, and then listeners and from uh and correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, um, sometimes the insurance stuff kind of changes um over a period of time. I know that we just started a new year as well. And so uh a great opportunity for people to actually get uh was reminded of what their benefits actually allow them. To, to or, or provide for them. Um, when you're going through this process, right, this license verification process, I think uh, one of the things that I've observed out here in California, uh, or specifically in Marin County, is the fact that the waiting time is about two to three weeks to actually even get started. So um, tell us a little bit more. Like, I, I know that out here, when you take insurance, the volume is a little bit higher. And when the volume is a little bit higher, you're battling with, can you actually even work with a therapist? But even just the process of license verification. I know from myself and call my insurance, I'm on hold for like 40 to 50 minutes at a time yeah. just to get a, just to get an answer would be like, I don't know. So tell us a little bit more about what that process is like for, or, or, or yeah, how long that process is or what it could take. Yeah. The, those are all great points. So I think you know, I'll speak for the physical therapy side of healthcare when it comes to patient responsibility. And you mentioned surprise bills um, with, with, in network physical therapy, you should be educated ahead of time. When you're in network with a insurance provider, you have a contracted rate. So let's say that's $100, $125, whatever your contracted rate with that insurance provider is, is the maximal responsibility that you will that you will have. So when you're at a network, it gets a little trickier. Uh, so I've been part of like some out of network uh situations too. So let's say you're at a network with Aetna, um, which we're not, but let's just say you have this certain fee schedule where if you bill out 60%, you bill 60%, um, you'll be, I'm sorry, if you bill, patient might be responsible for 40% of the charges. Now that can get a little gray as, as we know, that could be another conversation for like CPT codes and all that kind of stuff, but you might have a high responsibility. With an in-network insurance provider, you will only be responsible for whatever your um, contracted rate is. So let's just say argument's sake, it's $100. If you see a physical therapist and you have a high deductible um, for three times a week, maybe let's just say one week, but maybe saw five sessions, you would be responsible for a max of $500. Now, that bill might come at the end, but you know that's something for uh, your your viewers and listeners to, to keep in mind too. So uh, keep in mind in network versus at a network. If you're looking for physical therapy providers and ask the question, what is my, the max responsibility that I will have? So, you know, you mentioned uh, asked too about wait times. I can't speak to other uh, PT offices, but I'll say my specific office in the way I've always tried to operate is if a patient uh, calls, I always try to get them in within 24 to 48 hours. Uh, so 
in at least in New Jersey or at least in the offices I've managed and overseen, we haven't had those those type of wait times. I think that might be a scheduling um, type of uh, I don't want to say error, but a, a scheduling uh, process that those those clinics might have. Uh, for us, uh, in all my offices, we try to see patients within 24 to 48 hours. So, and that might mean on the therapist side, coming a little early, staying a little later, or uh, managing through certain time expectations. You know, so it, I know this is something might we might be getting into a little bit later, but from a scheduling standpoint, uh, we we I schedule based on need, right? So. Uh, I tell people expect about an hour for each appointment session, but I think we both, you know, you know, we know too, sometimes patients need 30 minutes. Sometimes they need an hour and a half. I've had some patients who stay for two hours. So I give that expectation of like, we'll do an evaluation. We'll have a conversation about what your specific case might need. And then we can go into depth about, about time. And sometimes if a patient's like, Hey, I need to see you tomorrow, my back is killing me. I have this pain going, you know, uh, speaking of sciatica, you know, I have this huge, you know, this pain going down my leg. I can't get out of bed. I'll say, come in and see me now. Um, I might be a little bit short on time, but let's just at least, you know, talk, talk things through, do an evaluation and try to see what we can do to get you feeling, uh, feeling better right away. Yeah. Um, listeners, if you couldn't tell, uh, Jonathan and his clinic over in Hoboken, uh, they really go above and beyond um, taking care of their patients. And out of all the clinics that actually take insurance, I think that they do a particularly good job um, of, of taking care of the patients and providing exactly what they need. And that's actually one thing, a, a very important um, quality that you should be looking in a physical therapist or even someone who's taking care of you is being able to be clear in regards to what you need and doing everything they can to help you because we're all in the business of helping. And so we're going to go into a little bit more and talk about the qualities of a physical therapist and the insurance like realm that you should be looking for. But um, as, as you as you heard, being able to see what type of information you're bringing to the table and presenting to you uh, the exact um, an organized plan. Now, granted that every like every plan sounds great, and we're going to be able to really act upon that plan. And there's going to be variables, which actually requires us to make changes to our strategies. But ultimately, you and your therapist or you and the person that you're working with should be on the same page when it comes to expectations and what can get done, which then actually allows us to go into the next question, Jonathan, is um, every physical therapist is kind of like a snowflake in regards to we have like a, ba a base knowledge and a base way to uh, address symptoms and and taking care of people let's talk about the evaluation itself i think what a lot of people like especially in the world where there's cash pay slash out of network slash insurance based people don't really know what to expect during a, a physical therapy evaluation especially when it comes to say a bigger clinic like yours so what yeah. are some people like what, are, what what can someone expect during an evaluation like this so i'll speak from my experience in the way i uh work with with uh initial evaluation so for me i'm a big proponent of active listening and so when you walk into my clinic and it's your first uh, uh time in so i'm gonna get your your whole story i also don't believe in having my computer out while i'm listening to you so i believe in uh eye contact you know, what, it, tell me your story, you know, what are you having difficulties with? What are your goals uh, for, for physical therapy? So in the physical therapy terminology, you know, I put a huge emphasis onto the subjective, you know, so a lot of what I do in my initial evaluations is talking and, and listening, not me talking, but allowing the uh, patient or client to talk and, and tell me their story, because that's going to lead me to my treatment. I, uh, it's, you know, we've, pro we've talked about in the past therapeutic alliance, right? You know, before you can get somebody to go through a treatment, you have to develop trust. And the way I believe that trust starts is through that first intake of what is going on? What are you having difficulty with? How long has this been going on? And some 
patients and clients, they'll, they'll talk for, uh, bless you, uh, for, you know, 30, 30 minutes, right. You know, and that's their time. That's their space to, to tell me their story because uh, before I go into, you know, maybe my thought process and treatment philosophy, I have to hear where you're coming from. So we've probably both have, you know, individuals that might tell you in two minutes, it's like, yeah, my back hurts and uh, I can't get out of bed. What should we do? Right. And so sometimes clients and patients tell you like that, or sometimes they tell you uh, their, their long story. I had a patient just yesterday who had a long history of low back pain and just got a surgery. And I haven't, you know, it's the first time meeting him, but he's had back pain for like 20 years. So that type of uh, subjective evaluation took a longer amount of time because we were trying to get, uh, do a deep dive into his history. So when, what to expect with a physical therapy evaluation is more active listening, but then start getting into, all right, so now what can we do to help? Where are maybe your range of motion limitations? Where might you have difficulty? If you're uh, a lifter and you're having a back pain, what does your squat look like? What does your deadlift look like? Is there, do you have trouble hinging at your hips? So after we go through that subjective uh, evaluation, we start going down the road of, you know, uh, what do you look like maybe functionally, but where might some of those uh, joint restrictions or be at play or, you know, what is it that you want to do, right? So you and I both come from the CrossFit community and that's how we met. So if we're treating a CrossFitter and you're having back pain or some type of injury, how does this affect your lifts? How does this affect things at the gym and how do we make movements? How do we do movements that look like that to get you back into the gym? Uh, so each, sometimes evaluations look a lot different, you know, so for my CrossFit athletes, it might look different than, you know, your runners, right? So if you're, you're still going to look at your squat pattern, because I think that's important, but your treatment is going to, might look a lot different than, you know, our CrossFit athletes. So it's making it specific, individualized and customized to that, to that patient and then taking them through that plan. What does that plan look like? Do we have to, is it best to see you once a week, twice a week? How severe is it? Are, are you going to be somebody who responds best to communication through an app? So uh, everybody is a little different. I don't subscribe to every person needs to see me, you know, three times a week, the rest of their life. You know, it's, it's, Hey, this is looking, you know, like you're in a good amount of pain. I'd recommend trying to come in twice this week. Or if it's, you know, something that you have a good handle on, I'm here as your coach and your mentor, you know, or as your resource. So each plan might is going to look a little different. And that's, I think that's really what you should be looking for in a physical therapist is somebody that's going to be aligned with your goals and help you to get back to do the things that, that you like to, to empower you to, to move the way that you feel like you should, because as we both know, back pain, sciatica, it's one of the most, uh, it can be the most debilitating thing and it, it weighs on our clients emotionally. So you should find somebody that understands the, also the psychological aspect of, of what this type of injury can do to you. What an awesome evaluative process, Jonathan. I think, uh, I mean, throughout this entire point, um, listeners, I think it's important for the person that you're working with to get as much information as possible. And to Jonathan's point, the act of doing active listening allows us clinicians to be able to get as much information as possible, not only to uh, get the necessary information that we need to provide a treatment plan, but as Jonathan said, that therapeutic alliance, it's important that both you and the person that you're working with are on the same page when it comes to what you're trying to accomplish, but also being able to look into what are the limitations in your life that actually allow you or prevent you from actually following some sort of plan. Does your schedule, does your life, does your geographical location limit? your ability to see a professional on a regular basis or is do you only have five to ten minutes a day to actually dedicate to yourself and so our jobs as physical therapists and people who help manage your pain we have to be able to create actionable plans for you because you can feel amazing upon leaving our sessions 
But if you don't have the opportunity to practice what we've discussed in our sessions, you're going to come back saying, I felt great at our last session, but then in between, I felt horrible. And that is only going to prolong your recovery. And it's going to just make things a little bit more miserable. And so I love the fact that Jonathan said that it's important to you that your clinician and the person you're working with is listening to you. I like to think about it. And Jonathan did a really great job was just asking a whole bunch of questions. And those questions continues to one, it builds a good solid relationship. And there's research saying that if you have a good relationship with your therapist, the person that you're working with, you actually have better outcomes because you will truly in fact uh, feel more, uh, I guess we'd say like bought in or believe in the treatment plan. And that's a very big component to, uh, evidence-based practice, which is a, which is a very important concept, which evidence-based practice is a Zen diagram, Venn diagram of three circles. Yep. We have patient beliefs, clinician beliefs, and then we have the research and evidence-based practice is actually going to be the intersection of all those three. And a really important thing is making sure that you feel like you are heard, and that your therapist and the person that you're working with truly understands um, you. And so, Jonathan, we went yeah. through. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just agreeing with you. I think oh. those are all great. Yeah, those are all great points. Right on. Yeah, and so we had this evaluative process. A lot of questioning. A lot of getting into trying to understand the problem. And so um, from there, it's like, let's go into the treatment sessions, right? As you said, it can vary. It can either be once a week or it could be two or three times a week, depending on what that patient needs. So tell us a little bit more about what you can expect in a treatment session um, instead, like which is different than the, the evaluation itself. Yeah. Um, so with the within a treatment session, I think it, it all depends on what you find, right? I think in PT, we... We've heard this saying a lot. It depends. Uh, so, so if you're having, uh, let's, you know, I know like um, we talk a lot about sciatica. So I'll, I'll stay on that, I guess, uh, diagnosis. And let's say if you're having sciatica or if you're having low back pain, what you can expect from the actual treatment side, uh, at least what, working with, with me is if we're finding something called what's called the directional preference. So that's usually where I like to start, you know, with a lot of my back pain patients. Now, uh, if we talk about McKenzie and like that treatment philosophy, it's not so, like, I don't believe in like, you have to do press ups the rest of your life. And like, that's what's going to solve all your back pain. But if you're having this inflamed, irritated disc or sciatic, like nerve symptoms, I think it's a good place to start to as one of my uh, friends uh, coined it, put out the fire. Um, one of like my PT buddies always used to talk about utilizing the McKenzie method of just putting out the fire and, you know, going from there. So what that means is uh, if you're somebody who has a low back pain and you're having a lot of irritation and what's called peripheralization of your symptoms into flexion, meaning the more you flex your spine, the more that nerve starts to go down, nerve pain starts to go down. You're like, we start to evaluate how much force you can tolerate going into the opposite direction and see if that, if that nerve symptom starts to centralize, meaning does it go up out of your leg and into your back? So that's usually where I like to start too, is evaluating, do you have a directional preference? And that's not always the case because, you know, in the McKenzie world, you might have what's called, they classify as a derangement you know, we could just use disc herniation as like a good, um, you know, type of term. So if you're having a disc herniation, you're responding well to extension, I might explore that a little bit more with some manual therapy. Now, I utilize manual therapy as a way to desensitize that area. So part of your treatment, you might uh, expect some manual therapy. Me personally, I like joint mobilizations, um, some uh, some traction of, of the hips, um, nerve gliding. If it's a really like irritated area, I'll, I'll utilize some soft tissue work. So that's uh, some expectations. It's not, you might not get manual therapy all the times because I think in our, uh, physical therapy world, I think there's a lot, a lot of schools of thought. I still utilize manual therapy a lot, but I think sometimes patients might not be you'd be really even ready for manual therapy if they're like, they have like a, like a really irritated disc and they're having trouble, even kind of like laying down on the table. Manual therapy might not be the best move at that particular time. You know, some, 
uh, active movements that that provide relief could be. But uh, I would expect for a majority of the time to have some sort of manual therapy because I think uh, you were alluded to before, just even talking about therapeutic alliance, that just develops a, a better human connection, I think, in my opinion. Um, so you can expect that if you're, you know, uh, maybe very active and you don't have this your disc that's like killing you where you can't like sit. We'll probably get into some uh, higher level exercises, squatting, deadlifting, uh, single leg, uh, lunging a lot. Of, like I would say a lot of my patients don't like me because I have to do a lot of split squats. So, uh, but I think, you know, getting into a lot of those single leg movement patterns, um, are really beneficial in order to elicit strength gains, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, I think you have to be strong. You know, I think I'm my bias and I know it's a bias, but is strength training for all of our low back pain patients, because you want to develop resiliency uh, for this. I don't think we can truly prevent injury, but I think we can minimize it through uh, being as strong as we possibly can. Yeah, I think there's like a lot of research out there of like uh, reducing injury, but can you fully prevent an injury? I don't, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I'll say me personally, I would probably say no. Like, you know, I think uh, there are a lot of factors that go into injury and pain. You know, we've talked about uh, sleep, right? You know, a whole different, you know, area, nutrition. What's your previous level of activity? I mean, those, that's, that's a long list that we can always go into, but I think uh, the uh, in a treatment session, sorry, off tangent, but in a treatment session, you can expect some form of strength training within your session too. Right on. I a hundred percent agree with you. It's important for us to be strong um, because the stronger we are, the more that we can do. I mean, strength itself is the ability to produce force and force is going to uh, produce movement. It's going to resist movement. It's also going to facilitate movement and, a large part of the people that I see is that not only are we experiencing some sort of traumatic event, which may have set off the irritation of the sciatic nerve, but it could also have been the fact that there was a lack of strength or an improper use of strength in itself. And so it seems like during the treatment session, when working with uh, people like you, we're looking at actually providing some sort of intervention, some sort of action. And I love the fact that you're really basing what you're providing for sure on your, uh, your treatment background, but also what the client needs and the client, the client's needs will be communicated through how the client actually speaks with you, but also based on your findings that you would find in the, in the uh, evaluation, but also uh, listeners, what's, what Jonathan also uh, has kind of talked about, but not has explicitly said, but everything that happens in the treatment session is also really good information for him to be able to, to make the decision on the next stages. And I love the fact that you look into other aspects of life, sleep, stress management, and all that other things, because what we've learned over the years, and even in the 10 years that both Jonathan and I have practiced, we've noticed that over the years, it moved from not just biomechanics, not just strength, but how your environment, how your world actually interacts with you. And so I'm, I'm really glad because not too many people actually do that. And um, and one of the major reasons as to why I had Jonathan on this call is the fact that we share a lot of the similar views and it's always really great to be able to, to, to talk about it more in detail, um, especially from a, a different perspective, but from like a very similar uh, viewpoint. So um, let's talk about like one of the biggest elephants in the room when it comes to insurance-based physical therapy. Um, yeah. I know that when I, uh, when I'm out here in California and also when I lived in New Jersey, um, I would be out of network for, um, for, for most patients. And so what that means for, for, for them would be that they would pay out of pocket to me. And even at the beginning of my career, I truly believe that if you have insurance, you can absolutely use it. There's no, there's no harm in doing it. In fact, I have health insurance myself, so I use it. And so from there, what I, what I've noticed is that I was kind of like the last resort of people, like kind of the last resort physical therapist people would go to because they have uh, exhausted all of their benefits uh, through insurance. And one of the biggest feedbacks that I would get, they were like, Ashley, I was one of, four patients in the room and the therapist wasn't really paying attention to me or I kind of got passed off. And um, 
uh, that's a, that's an unfortunate thing. But in some cases, yeah, you may be in a room uh, and you might not be the only patient. So I think one of the big things is in situations like that, right? Yeah. In situations like that, how can someone actually get the most out of their session if that does happen? Um, it, it's, you know, it, 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 it happens on occasion um, and, and it would be naive to say that never happens. But I think it's important okay. to be able to say, you know, in these scenarios, how can we actually maximize the benefit of that situation? Yeah, uh, this is a, a great question. I think this is a, a huge debate that we see really within our profession. And I think it obviously affects our patients and clients a lot. So I don't think I don't subscribe. To, I think you should have you know, four patients an hour the whole day, right? But I do think there are uh, there are going to be pockets sometimes where that one person comes in 20 minutes late, another person comes in 20 minutes early, somebody forgot about their appointment, or before you know it, you have four people going at once. So the way I manage that and the way I think, you know, your listeners and viewers can can look at that too is, is having open dialogue with your provider. And so, uh, for instance, I, I do at times around my day, I see three or four people at a time, but I always try to do my best. I'm not perfect with this. I try to do my best to communicate that with patients because in the service-based industry, as you know, you know, we are sometimes at the, uh, discretion of like when our patients can come in, right. That might be before work or after work and that 7am time slot and that 530 time slot in my career, I've always been the, the two busiest times for when people want to come in. So when we schedule patients and if it, if somebody is like, Hey, I really need to get in. I'd love to see you. Can I come in at five 30? I'll have that dialogue with that potential uh, patient and client and say, listen, it's, it's going to be a little bit busier here. I'm fine with it. If you are um, the way I manage that personally is I tried to turn my my clinic almost as into like a, a friendly environment, almost as if you're going to like the, the neighborhood bar or, you know, the neighborhood gym where you, I, you don't want to have like this overstressed environment. You know, I had a manager once, uh, you know, or coworker tell me once in the past, when you think of going to like a busy restaurant or, um, you know, that place you always want to go to, but nobody pays attention to, you're going to be frustrated too. So the way, I manage that is we have a little bit more of an open gym setup. So I communicate on the front end saying like, it might be a little bit busier at this time. You might get some individuals who are uncomfortable with it, but I found that the majority of people are very just thankful that you're able to get them in at the times that they want. So communicate, communicate first, but also as a, as a therapist, it's important to make sure you're paying attention to what's most important. And that means keeping your eyes up, right? And keeping your eyes up, looking around the room. If you're if your patients are on the table, or if you're kind of doing almost like a, you know, we can call this almost like a group class, right? Where you're having one patient at the cable com, another patient working on lunges. You can still stand right next to both and give appropriate feedback to both at the at the same exact time. So I think that's something for for therapists to know. And I think for for patients and clients to know I'm somebody that likes that kind of feedback back. So if you feel like you're coming in at a time that you need more individualized attention, I think that's, that's very appropriate to tell your therapist. I do see patients one-on-one. I do make sure that I block out enough time for, you know, I do have patients who require more manual therapy and I do have patients who require more education. So I think it's appropriate to tell your, your therapist that you need to be the, you need, you feel like you need more alone time uh, to get that education, that best service. Now, the caveat to that too is, is then you might not get the the best times that, that you want because scheduling might come into, it might be more of a challenge. But to handle it, I would say first communicate and just have an open dialogue. And me personally, I, I don't take like offense to you know these things because I think it's it's the patient's right to, to want to have the best experience. So uh, I would say that's, that's probably the best way to handle it. I think, um, you know, as a therapist, me personally is just stay calm, enjoy the, you know, the situation people are be grateful that somebody wants to entrust you in their care and try not to get 
flustered in, in the minutiae details uh, of everything. Because a lot of times patients come in with a great attitude and I'd say 99.9% of the time, it always tends to work out. I love that, Jonathan. I think the big thing that you talked about, and this is one of the things that I communicate with the clients that I work with. And then even when they're going to a physical therapist is communicating um, with the person, with their therapist, with the person that they're working with. So then that way they can truly be able to voice their needs and, 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 and truly receive that. And it could be in a group setting. It could be in a private setting as well. I think another big challenge with all this is the fact that we're all just people like we're, we are, we are the folks yeah. who are rendering the services, the care. And, um, and we only have one brain. And so, and we have one, one, one brain, only one body. And so, so yeah. the truth, the reality is that there are going to be scenarios where, um, and then like when you're one of a couple of patients in the, in the, the room where you might not have the, the whole, the whole attention itself. Like I, I often would tell my patients, I'm not a rep counter. I'm not a person who will count every single repetition of yours. I need to be yeah. able to get an understanding. Are you doing things right? And so in some cases, um, yeah, being able to see if there's something needs to be fixed, but then also give you the opportunity to do these things on your own. Because the reality is that, and I've said this before, is that the one hour of treatment uh, that you go to is, is only 4% of a 24-hour day. So if you're going to physical therapy once or twice a week, you're going, you're, you're experiencing care for less than 1% of a whole week. And which means yeah. that we are going to be setting you up in a position to be uh, strong, confident, and have the tools to actually help you recover. But also um, when you go to these sessions, like we're there to be able to answer any of the issues or address any of the challenges that you're going through. And I love the fact that you said, if you need more, let the patient, uh, let the, let the clinician know um, as much as we hope that we could read someone's mind uh, we can't, and it is important for us to know. And, and that's also very important when it comes to pain management when you're dealing with surgeries, there is somewhat of a protocol that is uh, usually consistent uh, based on each medical procedure, whether it be like hip or knee replacements. When you're experiencing pain like sciatica, we're doing a little bit more problem solving because the pain that you're experiencing is not going to be standard across the board. And so it's important for us clinicians to be able to listen and understand. But the best way that we can get that information is when you communicate it with us. And so yeah. I, I really appreciate that, Jonathan. And I know that there was a huge misconception on what that experience is like. In some cases, like some, in some cases, clinics might have a hard time trying to manage all those patients. But it seems like to you, you, you do a very good job of being able to manage when there's a fair amount of people coming in. And it's not like you're deliberately scheduling people at that time. It's just uh, the circumstances, what happens, especially uh, you're out in Hoboken, New Jersey. So people either go right before uh, work or they go right after. Um, and you have some pretty long hours. So major kudos to you, Jonathan, and that which then brings us to the next question when it comes to, all right, if people want to use insurance, which again, I am a total fan of actually, again, the first questions, first couple of questions that I asked after figuring out the person's story is have they tried physical therapy? Um, and, and then uh, the, the role of insurance starts to kind of come into the conversation. For the folks who want to go and use their insurance to take care and manage their pain, what are some qualities in a clinician or clinic that they should be looking for so they can get the best outcomes? That's a great question. So I, I think that what your listeners should be looking for is somebody who is aligned with, uh, I would say you and your personality, right? Um, I would say, for instance, like there are a lot, you know, we'll use CrossFit, right? I could tell you, uh, and this is also learning a lot from you, you know, uh, learning from you and like how to do kips, how, how to do kip and pull-ups, how to do gymnastics, how to, how to snatch. Right. So I think that it's important if you're, if you're somebody who has a specific goal or activity that you want to get back to is finding a therapist that aligns well with the activities you love, you know, um, CrossFit for, for us. And so I think that there's that model there's, uh, running, you know, if you're, there are some really great running physical therapists out there who I can help you if you're, you know, a recreational runner, but I know that there are a lot of, you know, great running therapists out there who can 
really get down to the the cadence, the your heel strike, your you know what type of shoes you wear. Those are things I have familiarity with, but I know there are a lot of good specialists out there. So I think that finding a therapist who aligns best with with your goals is is a great start too. Um, finding a clinic that you feel like you would actually have a good time at. I mean, that's something that I try to pry or try to, you know, elicit in my, in my staff, in, in my clinic is I want everybody to have a good time. You know, everybody should be addressed by their first name when they walk in. Uh, there's that quote where everybody has the same uh, favorite word and that's their own name. Right. And so I think making sure that you address everybody by name and that you get into their their family history, you know, in the sense of, you know, what they do this weekend, uh, you should feel like you're part of, uh, you know, a good group and you should feel valued every time you come into the door. Because I think we've both heard the horror stories of as far as like clinics where, yeah, they sent me to a table. I just kind of sat there. Nobody, you know, uh, talked to me and somebody just gave me, you know, a bunch of exercises to do. I don't believe in that in the slightest. And every time you come into like our, our doors that you should be uh, valued and that your experience should be valued because time, uh, your time is your most precious, you know, commodity. So I want to make sure that if you're spending your time with us, that you don't feel like it's a waste of time. Um, And that comes with, you know, customer experience and patient satisfaction. So what you should be looking for is uh, a therapist who listens to you, a therapist who is aligned with your goals, but also a, uh, a clinic or gym, uh, wherever you decide, you know, where you can actually feel like you're going to have a great, you know, great session and that your time is going to be worth the, worth the value. Amen to that brother. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Um, whether you're going through, uh, insurance or not being able to have someone who truly cares about you is, uh, is extremely important. And, uh, I'm so thankful that, there's clinicians like you in the insurance space who can actually serve folks who want to use their insurance. I think that there's a, there's a, there's a need for that. And, um, and I really appreciate that. And so um, the, and what's kind of like one of our closer to last questions is like, okay, now people are like, okay, I want, I think I want to use insurance. There's so many clinics. There's a lot of clinics in the area. Um, I know out here in Marin County, there's our, like, um, there's a ton, like there's a street. And I remember in Hoboken, when I lived there, you look at downtown yeah. Hoboken, there's like four clinics on the city block. Right. And so, yeah. um, how, how does one, ch- uh, choose? I think it kind of piggybacks off of the last question I asked you, which is like the qualities that you're looking for, but there are so many, right? So what is the process or what do you recommend for folks who are like, I want to use insurance. There's so many clinics. I don't know where to start. Um, where, where should, where should they begin? Yeah, that's, it, that's a great, another great question because I know in Hoboken, there's one block that one block in, that I'm specifically thinking of that has four clinics in, in one block. So like you mentioned, so that when find, trying to find your right physical therapist or find a physical therapist that aligns well with you, I would personally go to that clinic. I can't tell you how many, how many potential patients will walk through our door and just tell us, I just wanted to check you out. I wanted to meet you uh, first and see how you can help. I think that's like the the best way is to go out and meet because I, this isn't to downplay Google reviews or anything along those lines. But if you go on Google reviews, I think it's a it's a good first step in ZocDoc. I think those are all great resources to first vet your therapist. So go on Google, go on ZocDoc, vet that potential physical therapist that you might want to uh, potentially work with. But also keep in mind that a lot of these clinics, everyone's got five-star reviews. So so that's a good first starting point when you see, all right, you know, so-and-so uh, has five-star reviews, you know, 40-star, five-star reviews. I think that's a great starting point. But I wouldn't put all my emphasis into just that. I would go and talk to that potential physical therapist and see if you have a connection with them. See if you're like, you know what? you know, I could, I could see myself trusting you. I think in our world of physical therapy, we, there's that talk of like sales sounds negative, but I look at it as sales in this, in this type of fashion as, let me just see if we're the right fit. So I'll 
answer your questions. And sometimes I might not be the right fit. I might not be the right fit for everybody, but I think what all of your, uh, what your listeners should, should look for is, all right, I want to go to this place. It's close to my house. Let me, let me go there first to see if this is a good fit because two, some, some of these clinics that, you know, are, are all on the same street, they might not have the equipment needs that you need. So if you're a weightlifter, make sure that they have a lot of weights. If you're a runner, make sure they have the ad- adequate equipment to, you know, assess your ability to run. Um, you know, if you're gymnast, dancer, you know, if you do yoga, make sure that, you know, the therapist that you're about to work with has experience in treating somebody who, who does a lot of yoga. I think the best thing to do would be to go there first. Um, and two, you know, the benefit sometimes of using insurance is you can go to this this provider, go for a treatment session and see if they're even the right fit. And if not, then, you know, there's uh, physical therapy is, you know, uh, in some instances, very saturated. So you can just go across the street and see if that therapist is better for you. So it's also okay to, go through the evaluation process first because sometimes it takes you know a full hour to see if you're gonna if you're gonna vibe well with that potential potential client and and therapist so i would start there yeah really great actionable steps jonathan uh i really appreciate your time because i know that you're busy running uh a major clinic in new jersey um for the listeners out there who happen to be in new jersey or in the hudson Valley area and are like, oh my gosh, I think Jonathan is and the clinic over at Excel is exactly what I need. Um, what's the best way to get in touch or what's the best way to, to book an appointment uh, over with you? So the the best way to get in touch with me, I would say is uh, through Instagram um, for probably for your listeners or LinkedIn, uh, social media. So I'm, I'm jonathanzade.dpt. So if somebody... Uh, you know, once has any questions, they can reach out to me there. Uh, if you live in the Hoboken or Jersey city area, uh, we're in uptown Hoboken and, uh, you can reach out to us there. So it's Excel physical therapy, as you mentioned. Um, and yeah, be happy to, to answer any questions that, that your listeners might have. Awesome. Fun fact, uh, Jonathan's clinic uh, was actually two blocks away from the gym that I used to own in Uptown Hoboken. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, really, really thankful, really appreciative of Jonathan's expertise and knowledge and friendship and uh, and time. So thank you, Jonathan, so much for this. I'm really excited for uh, uh, these listeners to just get a better understanding on, on the insurance world and what it's like and how they can take advantage of it. So Thank you for your time, listeners. Jonathan's contact information will actually be found in the show notes today. So if you have any questions, feel free to hit them up. Thanks, Ashley. I appreciate you having me on. I know this has uh, been a long time coming. It's a great conversation. And uh, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man as well. And uh, I love what you're doing here. And, you know, you're on a good mission. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.